When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. And they always get frustrated. I mean, everybody's frustrated right now. You know, when you, when you lose and you don't play well enough to win, uh, everybody's frustrated. And just those two guys. I think uh, uh, we're just as frustrated as every fan in this, in this state of Minnesota, uh, every Minnesota Vikings fan. We're, we're, we are more frustrated. Uh, we put everything we have into offseason. Uh, we grind every single day, and then to put a performance like that is is so frustrating. It's it's unbelievable. But at the end of the day, you gotta look yourself in the mirror. Um, you got you got to be better yourself, and that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna come back to work on on Monday. So I guess that means then that Adam Thielen is posting angry things on Reddit. If he's just as frustrated as Minnesota Vikings fans, Jonathan has been showing me. All of the ragey, snarky things. Turbo Snark has gone out of this world. It's super Turbo Snark over on Reddit right now. Okay, so we have levels of Turbo Snark that I think we can use the Fast and Furiouses to describe. So, like, Turbo in the first Fast and the Furious is like, oh, we're street racing at night. And then by the ninth one, they're pulling down planes with small cars. (laughs) Yes. They're like, this one is pulling down planes with small cars on Reddit right now about the Minnesota Vikings as Vikings fans lose their ever-loving mind. So, that's what we'll do here to some extent on the show. But I also want to talk about with our friend and journeyman correspondent who was with me in Chicago yesterday, Sage Rosenfels. Uh, what is up, Sage? How are you feeling the day after everything that we saw, the nightmare at Soldier Field yesterday? Um, well, I, I guess I'm trying to look at the positives. Today I woke up after my first two or three days in Chicago with gray, gloomy skies and a little bit of rain and drizzle. And then today was bright and sunny <laughs> after the Vikings went home on that loss. Uh, so I tried to uh, bring that same attitude and think, well, they are just two and two. It's early in the season. A lot of season left. They're not 0-4 like, the, say, the Denver Broncos, who are also uh, having higher expectations this year as a football team. Uh, so they are 2-2. Two and two, And, you know, all you can really do is, uh, I think that was Adam Thielen on, on, uh, uh, that you guys were showing earlier, uh, is go to work the next day and uh, see how they can make this team better, see what uh, they need to do, see what they can do, whether it's a different type of game plan or 
or changing up certain players at certain positions? What, you know, what, what can change this football team to, uh, to not be a team that loses to all the good teams but then beats the bad teams? Well, so that's where I want to begin because I think that there is a case to be made that when you're two and two and you're looking forward to playing the New York Giants and then you have a home game coming up after that, this team is traditionally very good at home, even though it's a really tough opponent in the Philadelphia Eagles. There's a decent chance that they can get on um, a semi good roll here and go into those tough games at Dallas and at Kansas City being one of the top teams in the NFC North. That's certainly within the range of things that could happen. But when you have this many games played by Kirk Cousins now, when you have a season and a quarter, and you are to the point where every game against a tough team, you walk into it and you say, you know what, no matter what anyone else does in this game, unless the 1992 Dallas Cowboys offensive line walks in the door instead of the Minnesota Vikings offensive line, that they don't have much of a chance. And that's how it felt yesterday, even early in the game, when they couldn't move the ball and then they made repeated mistakes. Once you saw Delvin Cook running into piles of bodies, I believe his longest run was five yards yesterday, it felt like, okay, well, if they're not going to be able to run, then this thing is just over. And that's the Christian Ponder feeling, Sage. I mean, that's not supposed to be the Kirk Cousins feeling. So is there a fix to this when we've got such a big sample size of the same thing being repeated? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I saw that comparison on Twitter a little bit this morning. You know, this feels like Christian Ponder, you know, style of uh, a game plan in the sense of like, we're just going to do whatever we can to minimize our ability for our quarterback to have to win the football game. And they tried to uh, continue to sort of keep it close to the vest as the game went on, even though they were down by, you know, first 10 points, then 13 points, and then it was 16 points. And, and it still wasn't, you know, aired out attack type of situation. So I don't know where they go from here. I don't know where they try to get more offense. Of course, that was a very good defense. You know, we, we can't deny that. Uh, but you'd like to think with the money they spend at their receiver positions, uh, the money they spend at their quarterback, that when teams do stop the run, they can say, you know what, let's open this sucker up and we're going to have to dink and dunk and, and however it's going to be, we're going to work our way down the field and, and somehow get some points on the board. And they really couldn't do that till the end of the football game last night when the Bears are basically just playing almost a, a pre-event defense at that point or just keep the ball in front of you, you know, type of scenario. So I don't know. The, the, this team has to find a way to score points. It doesn't matter how many yards you have at the end of the game. It doesn't how, matter how many completions or what your QB rating is. Uh, what, what matters is scoring points, and they did not score or look like they were even uh, had any chance of scoring legitimate uh, drive after drive points yesterday. And it's just happened way too many times. I mean, if this was one loss and it looked bad, you might shrug your shoulders and go, well, look, I mean, sometimes your team's going to lay an egg. That happens. You're, you're good, but you have a bad game every year. It happens to every good team in the NFL. But when it is repeated with the same guy and it's the same problem and it's the same look on his face and it's the same late throws, it's the same hanging onto the ball too long. Today, pro football focus gave Kirk Cousins uh, credit for seven of the 17 pressures, meaning they were saying really wasn't even an offensive lineman's fault, and they played poorly, of course, but on a lot of them, he was just hanging on to the ball too long and allowing the pressure by himself, and that's where... Sage, you had John Filippo last year trying to do quick passes and screens out to Stephon Diggs to limit 
some of Kirk Cousins' issues, but then in big games that wouldn't work. And then now they say, okay, okay, we've got this. We're going to run play actions all the time off of this run game, and that's how it's going to work. But yet it hasn't in their two big games so far, and it seems to have created even more pressure on Kirk Cousins because he's holding the ball longer. Is there a happy medium? Is there something schematic? I know I'm reaching here for a solution, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but there feels like there just isn't one. I mean, for me, I think it's them just trying to get the ball out of his hands. They got to get the ball out of his hands in some way. I still think the play actions are there, uh, and you know they did a straight drop back on third on a third, the first third and ten of the game last night. He had Adam Thielen. There was no pressure in the pocket. This is early in the ball game. Line did a nice job. He took his, you know, if it was five or seven steps, and took his one hitch, and, and the you know, pocket was clean and, and let it go. And it was a high corner route to Adam Thielen. I believe it landed in or near the end zone. And he missed him. Thielen dove for it, had a step on this guy. You got to give your guy a chance. You have to make those throws. You have to. You just can't miss them. Uh, or you have to make them 80% of the time. And he's hitting them about 30% of the time. Um, and then they did try a play action. Uh, and Courtney Cronin did a great job on, uh, on, on Twitter this morning of putting this play up into the next-gen stats deal. And what was neat about it was you saw the play action the Vikings ran early in the ballgame. I believe it was early second quarter, backed up sort of near the end zone. And they had Stephon Diggs, and there was nobody around. I mean, he, he probably had a 20 to 25-yard gain on the play. And he ended up getting off it quick, uh, because probably because he was feeling pressure that really wasn't there. Uh, and he threw it to the fullback in the flat for a four-yard gain. And, um, you know, plays like that, you just, you only get so many. You only get so many times when Kevin Stefanski designs and game plans and calls up at the right time, the right play. And when the play's there, it's got to be hit. And it was there on that, uh, that, uh, Adam Thielen, uh, incomplete pass. And it was there on the Stefan Diggs non throw. Those are two huge plays in the ball game early that could mean, could have meant 14 points. And, you know, 14 points. Shoot seven points would have gone a long way in that in that football game yesterday. Yeah, and and this is kind of my point, Sage, is that when we go through the uh, John D. Filippo things from last year, you and I found a lot of things that maybe should have been done differently. When I try to do the same and pick apart Kevin Stefanski, the only major criticism I can come up with is, yeah, you should have just handed off to Delvin Cook in Green Bay. So it's you you should have not let Kirk Cousins try to decide that game. Yeah. And and that's a pretty tough criticism when you pay twenty eight million dollars for your quarterback. But aside from believe that believe me by the way, believe believe me, that you know that I, I promise you that, that Green Bay, uh when he called a pass on first down ten after a couple of good runs and it'll be an interception. I promise you he, he's kicking himself for that, and he, and he will. And those are things that happen. But I, you also have a thing where you, you go, you know what, we got a couple good runs going here to the left. Let's bring a bootleg out, out of yeah. it. Maybe we'll get a touchdown. If it's not there, we'll throw it away. We got second down. You, know, you have to, again, trust your players to, when it's not there, sort of save the play. for The, you know, the coordinator cannot call a perfect game, but, but execution can be perfect. Uh, and, that, and when there's nothing there, just to throw the ball away. So, yeah, I'm sure Stefanski's kicking himself there, but, you know, the right quarterback, the, the, a quarterback making the right decision would have thrown away, and, and Kevin will have a chance to maybe run the ball in second and or third down in that scenario. So uh, the, the, the plays have to be executed and run uh, right, and, and when they're there, the balls have to be hit and they have to be caught. Uh, when there's a run gap there, that you know the the, the uh, Dalvin Cook has to see the right hole. 
this team has to execute and do the little things uh, and, and you know, do the things the defense is giving them. And they didn't do that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the point, is that when the, your biggest mistake is putting it in the hands of your very expensive quarterback and throwing to a top-wide receiver, that really shouldn't be looked at too critically. But, I mean, that sort of tells us where we're at. And you made a comment last night when we were doing the podcast of, well, you know, Chase Daniel did a lot of the things that Kirk Cousins should have done, which, again, is just alarm bells going off. And today, Mike Zimmer said, this comes uh, from Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune, that Kirk Cousins might... Might have gotten rid of the ball too soon, but when you get pounded a few times, sometimes you have to take the quick throw. So here's my question for you, Sage. Can, can, can I say this last night? Can I say this though, real quick? Go ahead. Uh, about last night and the you know comparing the, the Chase Daniels competition. Because tomorrow I'm going to go into a Chicago radio station and talk about Chase Daniels' performance. Uh, so what's interesting is if you want, if you, everyone wants to go back and watch that game, watch how quickly chase gets rid of the football Mm -hmm. he's got a very quick release he's got super quick feet he doesn't take these big sort of slow methodical hitches and nine kirk does and when you take those bigger hitches you can get more juice uh, on the ball and have the stronger arm chase daniels doesn't have a big strong arm but he's got that drew Brees sort of quick throwing motion accurate uh uh, gets the ball out quick thing and, and quicker feet and subtly moves around the pocket and you know prevents a lot of quarterback hits and a lot of quarterback sacks. It, yeah, that's right, and that's what they just can't seem to get him to do. And if you look through his career, he's never done it. He has never gotten rid of the ball quickly. He's never made quick decisions, and he's never really just sort of moved the ball uh, down the field like Chase Daniel did. And I, I feel like I can't believe I'm finding myself saying, "Well, you know, if he only did those things that Chase Daniel did, which is make quick decisions and get it out quick into the hands of his playmakers." I mean, this is kind of this is kind of unbelievable that we're saying this, but it's 100 percent true. Yeah, so so the conversation about sacks and pressure I find super interesting because there's different styles of offenses. You know, coaches like Bruce Arians want to throw the ball deep all the time, so you're going to be holding the ball longer, uh, this, that, and the other. But the conversation really about, like, athleticism and sacks, right? Like, we know Kirk's not a great athlete. You know, Tom Brady is not a great athlete. But Tom Brady is, like, in the top two or three in the NFL uh, in, in quarterback pressures as, as far as lack of quarterback pressures. He diagnoses the, the defense so quickly and knows exactly where he wants to go with the football, and he's extremely precise, doesn't need that much of a window uh, to have a guy, you know, quote-unquote, open. And the, diagno- the, the diagnosing the defense really fast, even pre-snap, but also during the snap, he's so good at it that he gets the ball out. It doesn't matter that he's not, uh, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson or one of these guys that can really run around. Those guys actually get sacked a lot. Uh, but the ability to be a pocket passer but also get the ball out, they got to find ways to help him diagnose the defense quicker. Maybe do a little bit more of that John D. Filippo stuff where they're, they're getting the ball out quick uh, and, and not holding the ball in the pocket, uh, whether it's drop back or play action. Right, but the, the offensive line, though, does have to be another part of this conversation because I went through the PFF grades as we do, and it's just a bloodbath. I mean, oh my gosh, the number of pressures, the grades that these guys have. Once again, Garrett Bradbury was just thrown around like a rag doll, and Dakota Dozier filling in did a very poor job. Riley Reef, of course, got smoked, but you expect that going up against Khalil Mack. But the, the, the pass blocking has just been so poor. I don't know how this team, with the combination of a quarterback who will not get rid of the ball and is slow on his reads, with an offensive line that will not 
really help him very much. I mean, we're, we have to go back to 2016, the last time that he had a good offensive line, and he was pretty good that season. But that Trent Williams isn't showing up, or, or Brandon Schreff, or any of those great players. And, and that's where you feel um, sort of the hopelessness of the Vikings fan on this situation, Sage, is because they built this offensive line to zone run block. And in 2019, that's kind of mind-blowing that you would build an offensive line around a running scheme. Well, I, you know, I want to call it mind blowing. I, I think a lot of teams um, are, are, you know, they, they you, you want to have a certain type of scheme in the running game, and those are the type of line you know you get. But you know, the the key in Washington is they had that left tackle uh, that, which then, since he was so good, Trent Williams, they could truly keep you know the guards and the centers, everyone sort of working that inside, and they could double team and not be standing out to try to help that left tackle. So you know there there is advantage when you have a you know, top five guy at that position. But yeah, the, it's a bad combination with the line and the quarterback that doesn't get the ball out quick. Uh, you end up with you know six points in a, in a on a sixty eight uh, six degree day in Chicago uh, with no wind. You know that that was a that was a perfect throwing day. Uh, the footing looked good on the field, and yet they could score more points again against a good defense. But defense that had two of their uh, two or three of their bigger stars not playing that football game. You got to expect, uh, you know, much more from a quarterback with an eighty-four million dollar contract and two receivers with, you know, what sixty and eighty million dollars mm-hmm. in their contract. You got to expect more offensively from this football team, in particular through the air. So, what's interesting about the two and two record is that the two wins were done entirely by the defense, uh, by teams doing it to themselves. The the Raiders just didn't even show up, and the Falcons had a, a punt blocked within the first thirty seconds of the game, basically. And then the defense takes care of the rest, and Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter dominate, and and that's that. Is is that the only way for this team to win a big game, Sage? And I guess my other question would be, is this defense as good as it used to be in order to do that? Because I feel like it's really good, and there's so much talent out there, but I'm not sure that it's the 2017 defense that they seemed to believe they were going to be able to repeat uh, by re-signing everyone and spending their money that way. I mean, I thought... They played pretty well last game. They gave up 16 points, obviously, which you, you always take. But you got to think if it was a closer ball game, the Bears would have been a little bit more aggressive uh, in the second half and the fourth quarter, maybe put up a, a few more points. But you know, overall, I, I have very few complaints about this defense. They, they've done a pretty good job, uh, you know, this year, uh, you know, for the most part, holding points, in particular out of the end zone. But the, you know, it's, it's the other side of the football that the offense needs to score more points, needs to, uh, to, to haunt the football better, needs to have a more balanced attack. So, you know, I don't know what the uh, – if there's much of a drop-off. There's probably some of a drop-off. I, I was thinking, you know, the Bears defense last night, if you compare the two, Bears defense is better. And that's a, that's a great defense. They didn't even have Akeem Hicks last night, mm-hmm. one of their better players. I believe one of their linebackers, your defensive ends, too. Uh, but, you know, Khalil Mack is – the Vikings don't have a Khalil Mack. Daniel Hunter, I think, is a very good football player. I think Everson Griffin's having a, uh, a very good year. Played, played well again last night. But Khalil Mack is a, a true game changer. And, uh, and, and But the Vikings have good players. I said I, I think Harrison Smith is still all over the place. Steve Kendrick's making a lot of tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is hurting him right now. That's the difference between probably this Vikings defense uh, and uh, the Vikings even from two or three years ago. I think it's Xavier Rhodes' play. He, he, teams are we saw we were talking about last night. Team, they were you know sort of it seemed like the three or four plays in a row. 
teams are thrown to 29 side. Uh, we didn't know if that was just sort of a, that was random or it looked like they were actually trying to attack. Uh, number 29. Yeah, I started to feel like they were, but aside from that, it's almost nitpicking when you give up 16 points. I mean, that should give you a chance to win the game. I said the wrong stat earlier. I said seven. I meant two uh, pressures given up by Kirk Cousins, but he routinely does that where he invites his own pressure, which uh, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about. So the uh, the last thing I have for you, Sage, as we go forward here, do you think that there is a scenario in which the Vikings can still reach their expectations. And how does that have to happen? Because I don't think there's too many Minnesota Vikings fans waking up today. In fact, uh, Chad Graff and I saw a guy in the airport at Midway in Chicago uh, that said it was a, a you know Viking colors, and it said, my team makes me drink, basically. And I think that, that's, I think that guy intentionally brought that and probably another shirt that said, like, go team or something. But he had to bring out that one after that game. And so I just can't see much hope here. And, and when I look at my mentions, there aren't any Vikings fans who are even really defiant about it. I got an email about who to draft. It's like, okay, I, I can't get there yet with you, but I don't blame you. Well, yeah, that's it's frustrating because it's early in the year. And again, and, and they're also, they are still two and two, right? You know, the sky is not fallen, but it just seems uh, a little desperate or you don't see much light at the end of the tunnel. That, that's what it seems like. You're just sort of seeing the consistent things of when they play really good football teams that their O-line gets dominated, particularly in pass protection, and the quarterback doesn't play well. Uh, and then they, you know, they play somebody that doesn't have a good game. They just dominate in the running game and they play good defense and they win. And, you know, what is the, uh, you know, the out, the outlook for that, uh, as far as the season goes, as far as, you know, next year also, that probably makes the whole thing feel a bit more helpless too. It's like, well, we got this whole next year thing too, 20, $29.5 million. You know, how, how is this, you know, team gonna, uh, you know, are, are, can we, do we have any chance to win the Super Bowl? And my answer right now is no. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot see the Vikings. The, 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 listen, the the goal uh, and destination is to get to and win a Super Bowl. That is that's the deal. It's supposedly for all thirty-two teams, but teams who feel like they've got this window feel like they've got a good roster, and I do think they've got a good roster. Uh, but this combination of O line and quarterback. I just I can see them winning ten games because I saw Christian Ponder win ten games, but I don't see them getting anything after that because that's when you play the really good football teams right. and you know maybe somehow you win one playoff game, but I just don't see them winning. You know, beating Dallas? No, I, I don't see it. Uh, in some of these, you know, go, going to New Orleans and winning? No, I, I don't see that. Uh, if, if you know, in particular, if uh, if Drew Brees is playing, so um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We're, we're only four weeks in. Uh, but it's it's not uh, giving you a lot of um, a lot of excitement going forward, at least in these last you know, two of these last three games. Okay, Sage, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. I was glad to get the Tony Romo experience from you yesterday in the press box. Uh, we were reading defenses. I, I was going to call out the mic on every play, but I decided, you know, I'll just leave the reading defenses to you. Um, and I still have a bruise on my arm from where you whacked me when Stephon Diggs was wide open and Kirk didn't throw it. Oh, I, I did that. <laughs> yes, I did. It was like a natural reaction, like you thought you were going to make the throw or something, and you hit me yeah. very hard on the shoulder when Diggs was wide open. Well, it is really interesting, you know. And I watched so much football in my life. I mean, imagine spending three to 
four hours or five hours a day, uh, probably 150 days a year for basically 17 years or whatever, watching football. So in particular, since I sort of know how Stefanski and Kubiak think and how teams like the formation and where they run the football, when I sit in that press box, that's right me back in like a film room because you can <laughs> see everything. And you see how the play starts to unfold with the play action, and you see where Diggs and Cleveland are running. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, I knew, I know that play, I know that exact play. And uh, and, and Stephon Diggs was wide open, and if he just waits a half a second more, and he had plenty of time, uh, man, that, I said that might be. I catch him with, with Diggs' ability to make people miss. That might have been a touchdown last night. And instead, all they came away with was a laceration on my arm. So, uh, well, it was it was very cool to have that experience um, for for you to to take me through what you were looking at. So I appreciate that. And if anybody missed it, Sage and I were sitting on a park bench last night in Chicago doing our podcast after we were thrown out of everywhere in Soldier Field. So we went outside, did the podcast there. It was lots of fun. We broke down more on Kirk Cousins. So thanks, uh, as always, for your help, Mr. Journeyman Correspondent. We'll talk to you on Wednesday, Sage. Sounds great. All right, there you go, Sage Roosevelt. It was cool. It was really cool um, because he was saying, well, this is the a Sam Dog Blitz that's coming. I'm like, ooh, Sam Dog Blitz. Looking forward to that. I mean, he was reading the Blitz. He was reading the coverage. He called multiple plays. Well, this is going to be a delay handoff. There's the delay handoff. Here's going to be a fade to the corner. So he has a freakish level of knowledge about football, and that's that's really helpful. So anyway, we're going to talk with Chad Graff of The Athletic next. He was at Mike Zimmer's press conference that happened during our first segment. What Mike Zimmer had to say about Yesterday, not getting Thielen and Diggs the ball, the offensive line, Kirk Cousins. We will continue to discuss the fallout from yesterday's loss and the drive that would make you pull out your hair the most. We'll talk about all of that with Chad Graff and whether we're overreacting. Here on Purple Daily, you're listening to Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. You know, very frustrating loss today. Didn't do enough to sustain drives, to finish drives, and score enough points. You know, I still believe we have a we have a good football team, and um, we have to show that in the coming weeks. And um, you know, this counts as one, and so we have to remember that, and uh, just have an edge to us as we prepare for New York. See, here's the problem with that cliche: is that it doesn't just count as one when it's a division game. Then it counts as whatever is more than one. Because when you get to the end of the season, I'm explaining how standings work here. If you lose another one to Chicago and they won two and you have the same record, then they get in the playoffs and you don't. So it's not really like that. The division record matters. But anyhow. Is that snark? 
I don't even know if it was it snark. Turbo yeah. snark. No, it, it was wasn't like turbo. Fast and the Furious two yeah. level snark. I if agree. we're giving term yeah. levels to this, I think it was turbo. It just wasn't like foot to the floor. Foot yeah. foot to the floor was what I tweeted late in the game yesterday <laughs> when I said. Well, he's going to get his 4,000 yards with all these checkdowns to Amir Abdullah. And speaking of which, we welcome into the show from The Athletic, covers the Vikings, Chad Graff. Um, Chad, first, let's start out with what was said by Mike Zimmer out at uh, TCO Performance Center just now. Um, He said the offensive line kind of has to get better and that Kirk Cousins maybe started seeing ghosts. I think we're getting closer to a Zimmer goes full honesty bit with Kirk Cousins, don't you think? We're closer. I think it probably still takes a a couple more games like that, or at least next week. He said, you know, he said really some weird phrasing. He said that Kirk Cousins is getting pounded back there, and maybe that's why uh, he didn't always look downfield to where he had two of the best wide receivers in all of the NFL open, uh, and yet was checking down to the likes of C.J. Ham and Amir Abdullah, who oftentimes were even behind the line of scrimmage. He only had four passes beyond 10 yards yesterday, and there have been a lot of games with Kirk Cousins where he got a lot of the blame, and I think people wondered, was he getting a fair amount of the blame? This time, I don't think that you can overstate how much this has been on Kirk Cousins. In, in both losses this season, both Green Bay and this one, I think it's it's largely, almost entirely on Kirk Cousins. So it's always sort of been the standard of talking about excellence at the quarterback position when you believe you can be down in a game and you've got someone who can bring you back, right? I mean, like John Elway is always thought of as being the best, right? He's down in the game and he leads a 99-yard drive for the Broncos to win. Um, Kirk Cousins, if he's not winning the game, it feels like he has no chance many many times chad and the drive that you're referring to there were checkdowns to amir abdullah there were throws behind the line of scrimmage to delvin cook this is four minutes left in the game with a 16 point deficit and your quarterback is throwing screen passes to delvin cook behind the line of scrimmage i i don't know how you can look at this any other way than you cannot win with the guy kirk kirk cousins is so robotic that he's taught, he's been taught all through high school. In this situation, when you have two high safeties and, and this is the look, you don't throw it down there because that's risky and you're a risk averse quarterback. So you check down in these situations. But what that fails to understand or what Kirk Cousins is in his sort of robotic state, uh, has not been able to get over throughout his entire career, even going back to Michigan State, is that there are just sometimes some situations where you have to take chances. And if there were ever a time to take chances, it's when you're down two possessions, middle of the fourth quarter, you haven't scored all game, and you have two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, two of the very best at contested catches. It, it to me, just speaks to you know why Case Keenum, I think, worked here and, and wouldn't work elsewhere. Case Keenum was a risky quarterback. He would allow his wide receivers to go make plays. His famous quote before the Minneapolis Miracle was, I'm I'm going to get the ball out. I'm going to send it downfield. I'll give one of you a chance to make a play. And it's almost like if you put Kirk Cousins in that spot, you can just see him being like, "Uh uh-oh, two high safeties up there. Where's Amir Abdullah down low and throwing it to him in the flat? He just cannot get over that fact late in games. 
Yeah, I don't think that his brain changes how he processes when he's uh, losing the game. It's like, do you not realize that even though that is the correct read for a first and 10 in the first quarter, it certainly is not the correct read in the fourth quarter down by 16, because even if you throw a pick, who cares? You're already down 16, so you should be throwing it deep down the field. It is, I think, always the signature of middling quarterbacks when that happens, that they do not have the capability to make something exceptional happen, especially when things break down or to roll out to find someone. And yet, here's you know Patrick Mahomes doing that again yesterday, even when he didn't play particularly well. And I think as certain quarterbacks have these shining performances, it glares more on Cousins, and it's sort of this working theory that I have going, Chad, that in 2015 and 16, there was a bit of a sea change for offenses in the NFL with McVay and with Shanahan. And now people are talking about running those offenses the same way we used to talk about Air Coriel and things like that. Now we're talking about a McVay. We're talking about a Shanahan offense. But I think the defenses have adapted to it. So Cousins was the quarterback for the guys who were the innovators. They were ahead of the game. But now defenses know all this stuff is coming, so it's relying more on the quarterback talent. I think that that's a major reason why he seems to be going backwards. And that's got to be so maddening for Mike Zimmer, who you know seems to continue to try to be chasing that wave on offense and, and has had the defense but not the offense to match, that in the offseason – the Vikings did everything that they possibly could do to make life easy for Kirk Cousins. They drafted offensive player with their first four picks uh, in the NFL draft. They went out and got Gary Kubiak, who, of course, is with the Mike Shanahan team, and at Shanahan is where Kirk Cousins had most of his success. They figured that they were going to start running the ball because, hey, if we make it more of a balanced attack, then Kirk Cousins doesn't feel like he has, has to go make many plays. And, that's all fine and well when you take a 21 to 0 lead as the Vikings have done in half of their games. Kirk Cousins, I'll venture to say, is a great quarterback when you're up by three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Who isn't? Uh, but when you have to have him make a play, it, it, I don't know if it's this offense. I, I don't even really think it's this offensive line. Like, yeah, the Vikings offensive line wasn't that good, but five of the six sacks came after two and a half seconds. And that might not sound like an eternity, but in the NFL, Good quarterbacks yeah. get the ball out within two and a half seconds. And so, fine, the offensive line didn't play that great, but Kirk Cousins still needs to get rid of the ball in those situations. If you're asking Riley Reef to block Khalil Mack for more than two and a half seconds, I think that's way, way, way too much. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this, Chad. Stephon Diggs doesn't talk yesterday. He wasn't in the locker room today. He didn't talk last Wednesday. I think that's a very loud and clear message about how Stefan Diggs feels about the situation. Normally, we'd be talking about a 2-2 two and two team and say, well, there's plenty of time to go. But when he goes MIA, and he's a guy who usually comes out and says, hey, it's on me and things like that, um, I think that that says a lot. And it's also very clear damage control from the Vikings having Thielen go on Cousins' podcast, having Thielen come out again today in the locker room trying to say, no, 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 the wide receivers are fine. Well, I can guarantee you, based on Week 17 last week, what we saw on the sideline from Diggs this week, his lack of um, presence in the locker room, it's not fine. Right. To, to start with, Adam Thielen, yes, he came out today and sort of backtracked some of the poignant comments he had last night and said all of the right things today that you would expect somebody like Adam Thielen to. But we were there last night. His comments were very direct and raised a lot of eyebrows from everybody who was there. It was 
it was very, you know, frankly intense, and you could see and feel the frustration with him. And, and you could see that throughout the game. He was the last player to walk off the sideline at the end of the game, just kind of staring blankly ahead, sort of in amazement that he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He got two passes on this day yeah. when the Vikings were trailing and should have been throwing the ball. And, you know, to look at the other side of it, Stefan Diggs, Stephon Diggs was at one point yelling on the sidelines right next to Kevin Stefanski. He had to be calmed down by Kyle Rudolph. You can even go back a step. Uh, the week prior, he was the first one out of the locker room against the Oakland Raiders. Even though they had won that game, he only caught three passes for, for 15 yards. Uh, I think it's very fair to say that the Vikings have two of the best receivers, two of the best 15, maybe the best 10 receivers in the NFL. And they are getting rightfully so a little bit fed up that uh, they are this underutilized. Are we feeling like it's a guaranteed lock that this week they just beat the Giants and then everyone tries to pretend like everything's okay and then it's Philly week? I mean, is there what what's the next opportunity for Cousins to somehow turn this around? Because it feels like we always go into games saying that, and I'm kind of done with that. I, I went into Chicago saying this is really his chance. Make amends was his words. You know, show people that he could step up in a big game. He did the exact opposite. And now I feel like there, you would have to go a really, really far away to prove to people in that locker room that they can trust him in any of these upcoming big games. Yeah, similarly to the Raiders, I don't think there's anything that Kirk Cousins can do in New York that will make you think, oh, everything is solved. Like he could go out and be 30 for 30 for 350 yards and three touchdowns, but. The question will forever remain, can you do that against good teams? Mm -hmm. We're 20 games into Kirk Cousins' tenure right now, and we've seen this script, struggles against good teams, struggles against good defenses in big games in prime time, and then is always able to bounce back the next time that they play a not very good defense or a not very good team or whenever the pressure is off. That's just what he's been able to do. And so, sure, it, it kind of seems like, you know, perhaps things could be different because the wide receivers are starting to get frustrated and the offensive line isn't very good. But if this Sunday is anything like the previous 20 games, if, if this is remotely like what we've seen from Kirk Cousins, I think even going back to Washington, then he'll come out and play pretty well and the Vikings will have a decent game and they'll come out and be like, yeah, you guys were worried. I can't believe it. You know, what's yes. the concern? Uh, and, and round and round we See, go. See, it's a long season. You guys don't even realize that. You're, you don't know anything. Uh, I love when they <laughs> when they give us that. It's only two and two, guys. I mean, what are you upset about? As your receiver's throwing a fit on the sideline. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's me. Yeah. I'm fu- I was o- I was only mad about the podcast situation and the food. Just just a, a C minus food effort from uh, Soldier Field. That's what I care about, buddy. I don't, you know. Anyway, so uh, actually, well, let me throw one more thing by you before I let you go, Chad. Uh, on an airplane, when you land, if you are in the back, sit there and wait till the people in front of you get up and go, and then you go. I will never understand why people in the back try to like. Shoot the gap. They try to like like cheat the system. I'll get all these fools up front. I'll just run forward. Stop it. You're just getting in everyone's way. Even the people who stand up, what are you standing for? You're in row 32. You're not getting off the plane just right? because the, the, the bell dinged and now people can stand up. Where are you going? You're just standing up, and now because you're six foot four and your head's hitting the top, you're sort of crouched over into my face. Like, just sit down. I <laughs> 
sit down. The airplane etiquette is so poor, and it, it could be fixed, but people insist on standing at the wrong times or reclining their seats too far back or leaving their windows up as other people are trying to sleep. It's baffling. I was thinking today they need an announcement. People in the back, stay down. Just wait. <laughs> You'll get off. I promise you. I promise you that everyone will exit this plane at some point. Relax. Anyway, it's, it's even better when those people have a checked bag, so they're just going to baggage claim to stand there and wait. Right. Away. But right. that, that's sort of the story of our lives, too. You're rushed to wait. Yeah. Oh, well, that's for sure. Stand around in the locker room for two players to show up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, great stuff, Chad, uh, as always. And we'll talk to you again soon, man. All right. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Chad Graff from The Athletic. You could follow him probably at Chad Graff, I'm guessing. Maybe he's put NFL in his name or something. I don't think so. I think it's just Chad Graff, G-R-A-F-F. Oh, that's right. Okay, so you could follow him there. All right, I'm going to ask, okay, first of all, Mike Zimmer's nightmare. we got to talk about that when we come back. And then i got to ask Judd Zolgad, because it's Judd Zolgad. What is the most extreme Kirk Cousins take? Because I think I got it today. I think I got the most extreme Cousins take. Like someone sent it to you? or yeah, On you... Twitter. Oh, yeah, okay. on Twitter. I, I don't think that sending me an email like someone did about the draft next year is extreme. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, after last night, I really don't think it's too extreme to be like, all right, so it's supposed to be a good quarterback class, eh? I mean, because we've been talking about this. I was saying, hey, if Kyler Murray drops, draft him, trade for Josh Rosen, and on and on and on. Draft Lamar Jackson. We, we've talked about this mm-hmm. quite a bit before when you have uncertainty at the quarterback position. But I got one that's pretty extreme that I need to run by uh, Judd Zolgat. I think it's just evidence of the times. Um, but first, when we return, Mike Zimmer's worst day yesterday. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download, and it seems like it's been forever, but it's only been 10 years since we all went on the good times with the Vikings and as a bit of a magic carpet ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Vikings season, so you can kind of get your minds off of this current season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolget, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition, on demand right now, anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind, and the Score North download for today. Caller, can you tell me what the hell Khalil Mack was saying here? Uh, dog, that poop fast, don't poop for long, man. Uh, it's a... Good decision, man. It's going to be a lot of games that we got to end down the trip, you know what I mean? But the most important one is the next one, you know what I'm saying? A dog that doesn't go fast or the – wait. You want, to, you want me to play it again? No. Um, a dog that does yeah, fast. Right, doesn't, doesn't go do it for long. for long. So I guess he's – nope. I don't know. I got no idea. But I wanted to circle back to you saying if you want to get your mind off this season – Listen to our podcast about 2009, A Tragedy. Yeah, that's the how, end of it, yeah. That's but how the, things are going. The regular season was fun. But that's how that's yeah, where we're at right true. now. It's like, you want to hear something to get your mind off, to cheer you up that after yesterday. 
Well, listen to the season that had the worst ending. It is a, an incredible job by Sage and Ryan Longwell and the guys uh, on that podcast. Tons of great stories. And Sage sitting next to Brett Favre after he threw the interception. I mean, like it's crazy the experiences that Sage Rosenfels has had as a journeyman backup quarterback. He jogged out onto the field at Lambeau next to Brett Favre. That's awesome. It's like, imagine the access here that you could have. The, this, it's like if we gave out the, um, some sort of uh, CGI Sage Rosenfels fan experience where you get to see what Sage saw or something. We could digitally recreate. You get to jog out next to Favre. <laughs> you get to sit next to Favre after you the You get pick. to put on the virtual reality That's headset right. That's and right. live Sage Rosenfels' life. Um, yesterday... Uh, it was not virtual reality, but indeed a nightmare for Mike Zimmer as John D. Filippo's Jacksonville Jaguars not only found a way to win with Gardner Minshew. Now, it was against Denver, and the other team he beat was Tennessee yeah. and someone else. But, that I mean, that's... No, those are his two wins. Those it's still are, Gardner Minshew. Though. Yeah, those aren't, like, impressive at all. But anyway, that's not what would drive Mike Zimmer crazy. It's that John D. Filippo's offense... Ran for 269 yards on the ground nice. on 38 carries, thanks. 7.1 yards per attempt for Leonard Fournette, who is, I guess, finally showing signs of being the superstar he was supposed to be when he came out in the draft. But can you imagine Zimmer scrolling through the box scores on his phone and seeing that the offensive coordinator he fired because they couldn't run the football managed 225 yards on the ground in a victory that's not all. Then Zimmer had to go home, or maybe on the plane, probably. They're headed back to Chicago. Everyone's frustrated. Gosh darn, I'll just turn on the game here and see what happens between the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. And I know that he did not put together a Hall of Fame game last night for Teddy Bridgewater. The late sack was not good. He was under pressure a lot, and he threw a lot of quick passes and things like that. But for Teddy Bridgewater to win a big game on national TV against a great team in a low-scoring battle, which was exactly how he did it in Minnesota, on the same day that Kirk Cousins once again shows that he is nowhere to be found when it comes to big games. It just had to be a rough afternoon and evening for Mike Zimmer to to see those things. Just after a week of Teddy Bridge or a week after Teddy Bridgewater led his team on the road to one of the tougher environments in the NFL and gets a win there, too. Yep. And uh, right, because no one usually wins in Seattle, and then he pulled that off. And uh, the John D. Filippo thing, the Teddy Bridgewater thing, like these are all kind of bubbling under the surface. Look, now I don't know if Teddy's going to continue to be good, if he's ever going to be a great quarterback now that, um, you know, he had to go through everything that he went through. And I think it's going to take a lot of playing football again. I mean, imagine you go from playing football. Every day of your life for years and years and years and years, and then you just have to not do that for a really, really long time. Uh, I would guess that the timing has to come back and all those things, and maybe he'll eventually look like he did in 2015 and 2016 training camp preseason. He doesn't right now and still found a way to win these two games. Um, But that's a conversation that gets had as we go along if... Cousins continues to fail. Like, really? You guys let him go, huh? And with Filippo. Hmm, lots of similarities between uh, this year and last year. Was that Filippo's fault? Now, I don't think John Filippo did a good job last year with the Vikings offense, but I'll tell you the moment where I started to feel bad for him on the sideline was when Cousins turned around in Seattle and threw it backwards to Latavius Murray <laughs> when Adam Thielen was wide open. Yes. I just went, well, offensive coordinate that. 
I mean, what are you supposed to do when you have a guy who has Stephon Diggs wide open and checks down to the fullback? What are you supposed to do? There's, there's no, there's no coaching. There's no scheming. There's no whiteboard in the world that you can draw on that says do the worst thing possible here. And Cousins remarkably has a way to do that in every important game. And then Cousins saying, well, wasn't much I could do on that Khalil Mack strip sack. Well, you could know that Khalil Mack at some point is going to beat his man and be right there. So uh, we're we're doing this again. And the man to do it, who has been through this many times, is Judd Zolgad. And he'll be up next with the most extreme Vikings quarterback take from my Twitter over the last two days. We will be back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Cook, eight carries, 15 yards in the first half. Cousins loses the football. Strip sack and a takeaway by Chicago. Who else but Khalid Mack? Just win. You know, if we win, you know, move the ball, play well, whether that's with those two getting the ball or uh, or with, you know, running the football, whatever it has to be, whatever we got to do to move the football, let's do that. And, uh, you know, I think that's all that matters. All right. The Minnesota Vikings lose 16-6 to yesterday, and there has been a, I would say, a reasonable freakout. There are some times where fan bases have a tough loss and you'll, you know, I don't know, miss a couple field goals or something or have some bad bounce and then everyone goes nuts and looks for all the worst things that happened and you say, okay, hold on, it's two and two, no big deal. Yesterday was not one of those games. Yesterday we were open for business in the Twitter mentions. Judd's all get in here now. I mean, any take you have on this quarterback situation, I could say, eh, it's not crazy because look what's going on. The people who tweeted me, Judd, they should bench him for Sean Mannion. I went, what am I supposed to say to you? How could I say no? They put up six points, and the only drive that they put up six points on was ludicrous. Checkdowns to a special teamer. I mean, they threw one pass on that 10-play drive to Adam Thielen. They threw screen passes to Delvin Cook. They threw to B.C. Johnson on that. You're down 16 points. Nothing screams B.C. Johnson like down 16 points. He's a secret weapon. So how could I I say, and that's not the extreme take, but how could I say to anyone, no, 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 you're being ridiculous. They're not being ridiculous. There are these games that happen where you know, like three drives in, oh boy, this is not going to go their way with Kirk Cousins. And... They're not going to do it. They're not going to turn to Sean Manning in any circumstance. But would it have been worse? No, it would have been the same. But this is, we now know a year plus in, a year and what now, four games in, that this is him basically in big games. Like, this is who he is. It's not changing now. And you signed, unfortunately, if you're Rick Spielman and you're Zimmer to a certain degree as well, certainly, you signed the wrong guy. You spent a ton of cash there. You thought that, that you were upgrading uh, from Case Keenum. You had the best of intentions, but you were just wrong. If it's a big game, listen, he can beat Oakland at home. He can beat, or they can. I shouldn't say he can. He They can beat Atlanta. They can beat Oakland. They can How win home Atlanta, games. By the way? Atlanta's awful. And, and you know what? Oakland's 2-2, two and two and they're awful, too. Mm-hmm. But when you go and play in important games nationally televised games, primetime games, big division games, 
Any situation in which Kirk can ba- basically become Kirk and freak out, that's what we saw again on uh, Sunday in Chicago. And I saw that Chip had the stat today, Matthew. This is a guy who now in his uh, starting career, so over the course of, what, five, six years now, is 5-27 and 27 against winning teams. Mm-hmm. Against winning teams. That doesn't mean they're all good teams. That's anybody. That's not the creme de la creme of the National Football League. That's 5-27 and 27 against simply teams that at certain times you should beat. And he doesn't. Yeah, I had several people yesterday tweet, I was really mad at you for saying these things when they signed him, that he couldn't beat big teams and didn't lead the locker room and alienated people and on and on and on and frustrated his team to no end. And it's all turned out to be true. And now I would have preferred to be covering the NFC Championship last year to uh, not covering it at all and just watching the playoffs on my couch. But um, I would say that, Yeah, I mean, there were signs there that were pretty clear. There were red flags of why an NFL franchise would move on from a quarterback. It's because they knew all of these shortcomings, and it seems like every single one just gets turned up to 11 every time the pressure comes on Kirk Cousins. And there were things that he did yesterday that he just wouldn't ever do, even against an average team. It's only when the pressure is on, when you're on the road, when it's against a good team, all these things we've talked about. But it's the check down to the fullback. It's, the, you know, the things like that. The the fumble, yeah, okay, he fumbles kind of a lot. But, I mean, when we're talking about the, the things that are just uncharacteristic of anyone you would ever think puts up 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Like, those things are not what you're supposed to be doing. And I was running the numbers today when you add his sacks into the mix. Mm -hmm. And he has had a significant drop in just yards per drop back based on how many throws for and sacks, if you adjust it to add sacks, over the last few years. And I've started to think that the league is adjusted to Shanahan and McVay offense offensive kind of repeats around the league. Those two guys are still good. 40 points for the Rams yesterday, despite some struggles from their quarterback. But I think that it's the it, it, it's the rest of the league's defenses going, you know what, we know you're going to do these things now. Maybe in 2016 they didn't, and Sean McVay was fooling them. But now they know that a lot of these concepts are coming, and he doesn't have that advantage. And I think that that performance 2016 fooled some people into thinking he was a top-notch quarterback when really it was a top-notch play caller Mm -hmm. in Sean McVay and a ton of talent around him and a lot of games in which they were down and 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 if you take that out of the sample size if you if you only go 2017 18 and now the most recent lot of games He's not a very good quarterback. He is more close to the 20th than he is to the 10th. He's more close to being Derek Carr than he is, I don't know, Deshaun Watson or something. And not to even make a comparison to a running quarterback, but someone who you'd say is like toward the back end of 10th. He's much closer to being like Derek Carr now. So we're, so what? He's now dropped in our estimation from, let's say, 15 or 14 to the 20s? I think so. I mean, that's I, fair. I'm just, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get an, an idea of, where things are because this team is two and two but to me realistically Matthew I look at the Atlanta win and Oakland win and I say to myself okay those aren't good teams so it's not like oh you got two good wins and and you and he didn't do it no and he didn't but you everyone else did they blocked the punt but in Green Bay and Chicago both of those games you were presented with real opportunities to win those games the Packers scored 21 and then spent the rest of that afternoon begging you, you to take it and you didn't right Chicago, the first drive was probably too long, I get that, 
or it was too long, but they only scored 16 points. So post game, what was your sense, just as importantly as what people said since you were there in Soldier Field, what was your sense of the demeanor? Because I'm very curious where this thing is going right now. Oh, I... I mean, I mean, I have a feeling I know, but yeah, but you it, were there, I was not. Well, it felt to me, you know, it's weird is because they were five and two at the time, but it it had a very, very, very similar feeling as both 2016 the loss, where everyone I think in the locker room looked around at each other and said, "Oh my God, this thing's over. We're going to go five and zero and then miss the playoffs." They knew it that night. And I think the same went for last year when Cousins pulled his no-show in Soldier Field where they knew that night this guy can't lead us anywhere because he's going to get us down in a game. He's going to then try to come back and he's going to get his yards, but he's going to throw key interceptions or fumbles or whatever it's going to be. And it's every single time. It's not like there's just the occasional and then he goes back and forth with good teams and doesn't you know doesn't win but plays pretty well. It's not that. It's literally every single time that since he's been a Minnesota Viking that he's come up short in these games. And even in Washington, he blows a Week 17 game to get in the playoffs there. And he gets in the playoffs once in 2015, blows a double-digit lead to the Packers. I mean, it's just, it really is something that stretches far beyond uh, just this year, and even just uh, as a Minnesota Viking, and and they know that. Like the players inside the locker room, the, especially the two who aren't getting the football enough, are like, what? I mean, what are we supposed to do here? This is just a thing that he does every single time. When Everson Griffin said last night, I thought we played pretty good. It was like, yeah, every man for himself now. That's and what I was gonna there say. is a little bit of a feeling of. This, this could be every man for himself pretty soon of just, oh, well, I'm going to try to make sure my tape is good, but I don't, I don't care what happens to us, win or lose. And we're, we're kind of getting there because I don't know what argument you could make that they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender as long as he's their quarterback. Oh, they're not. They, they are, they are a team that is going to have to hope, hope to get into the playoffs. Forget Super Bowl. But the, the one, thing that I wrote last night and that I truly believe is that Diggs and Thielen are going to be PO'd. I completely get that. They probably should be. Uh, But forget about them for a second. The anarchy potential here to me is defense turns on offense and cousins completely. Because if you're on this defense, you're part of this defense, which, you know, Anthony Barr came back and Harrison Smith cried about it, right? And you're and you're saying this is and your chances here are not this is not like five more years. Also, Anthony Barr, that's not worth that much money. It was not. But my point is, those guys all banked on the fact that they were coming back to a team that could win a championship, right? And yep. and now they're playing. And again, they gave up 16 points. They gave up in reality really 14 against the Packers. Yep. So they're thinking we're doing our job, and you're watching that, mm-hmm. and you're watching the incompetence. Was, was there ever a point when you were in the press box on Sunday where you thought to yourself, "They got a chance"? Nope, nope, they're because at halftime they're down absolute, ten rip, I said they should. There absolutely never was, but you didn't feel like it. There was never that feeling, and when he comes out and fumbles right away, you're like, <laughs> "Well, yeah, that's." I mean, that's how this always goes. I have absolutely seen this movie. Um bunch of times now and now three times against this same Chicago Bears defense. If it was if it was just one team, we might say, "Oh, well, this Bears got his number." 
but it was Green Bay, too, at the end of that game, throwing an interception. And if he hadn't done that, I might have said, well, look, I mean, they won against Green Bay. You're 3-1. and one. If you come out of the first quarter 3-1, and one, you feel all right. Everyone's going to lay an egg sometimes on the road. It happens. But with Green Bay added to this, it's here we go again, here we go again, here we go again. And I think that it's starting to build in the, the locker room. And Sage mentioned this to me yesterday when he said he overheard a player say to somebody else, I'm just going to keep doing my job. And I would think, see, this is where Sage's uh, sort of experience helps here, because I would think like, oh, well, that's good. You know, you sort of have to just focus on what you got to do and not worry about the quarterback. But he's like, no, that that's not good at all, actually. That means it's every man for himself. Yeah. Um, let me tell you about the most extreme take that I got, because okay. I'll tell you which ones don't qualify as extreme. Should have been benched for Mannion, not that extreme. Should be benched next week for Mannion. A little extreme, but I'm open for anything. Uh, who do we draft? Not extreme. Start looking forward for to the draft. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's not extreme at all. No, that makes sense. Should we trade for Case Keenum? Pretty extreme. Yeah. Not, Pretty extreme. Yeah, that's very extreme. Funny. But that's where we're at right now. But it just, yeah. But this, <laughs> but this is why the. This conversation really goes to the, the heart of of what is the job security right now of the GM and head coach, right? That's where this is going. That's the path we're going down. Like if the Wilfs have a board and they have a board in their office in Egan that says, reason to keep them, reason not to, <laughs> and they're doing check marks, you've got two games so far with the, huge the, check marks. People of my age would call that the boy meets world. Okay. Famous episode of Boy Meets World. Okay, well, there there you go. That puts the M&Ms in the... Okay, that's perfect. That's perfect, then. Thank you. Declan knows what I'm talking about. But would that not be what they're doing? The Green Bay and Chicago games are enormous reasons to say... Because I will say this. If you're going to go down, and it's completely fair, the path of draft a quarterback, what on earth has Rick Spielman done that makes you think he should do it? Oh, uh... I don't think that these people are doing it. So I, I've been thinking about this, and uh, we should take a break so we can talk about it more in depth next. I've been thinking about the range of things that could happen to this team, and I want to put percentages on them. I've got four things that seem like the most likely scenarios, and then I just want you to tell contraction me come up in that? what happens. No, contraction, probably not going to happen. Okay. If the Twins can survive it, then I think <laughs> the Vikings can too with their new stadium. All right, let's uh, take a quick break here. I want to tell you first uh, about something we do have going on with the Twins. Bombas away for 10K. I think that's the first time I've ever said Bombas. I can't. I, I don't know. I just call them home runs. Yeah, I just home runs away for 10k. Yeah. Anyway, Bombas away for 10k because uh, here at Score North we enjoy home runs. We're uh, we've got this challenge going on. So if you predict who hits the first playoff home run for the Twins, you'll be entered to win one thousand dollars. Here's how you can enter: download the very free Score North mobile app. So wherever you get your apps, just type in S K O R North and then uh, register there on the app, and you enter through Listener Rewards. So it's uh, you put in who you think is going to hit the first playoff home run. When they hit it, you'll be entered. So you try to go off the board, right? You try to go like Adrianza. So you're one of the very few people who's entered. Wouldn't that be your strategy? If he's going to play, sure. Well, you know what I mean. Arise? Who's, probably not now. Yeah, who's the least likely to hit one? Everyone really hits them. I was going to say, that's the problem. Yeah. Polanco, your shortstop hits them. Sure, yeah, because everyone will pick, like, uh, you know, Garver or something. Sano. So, Sano, right. They're going to pick the guys with the most home runs. So you pick somebody a little bit farther down. Actually, if, take Kepler. 
because people are going to forget he's coming back. Mm, that's a good point. All right, so do that on the Score North app. Bombas away for 10K. We'll be right back. The range of outcomes for this season. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad here on Purple Daily. I'm just a little frustrated, a little yeah. mad. Yeah, hats off to them. You know, they were the better team today, and you know, we just got to revisit and go back to the drawing board and f- figure out ways to um, score points and and for defense to get off on third down. That was Minnesota Vikings defensive end Everson Griffin who uh, did his job. Yep, that's a great comment. There were uh, some people who did not do their jobs, and there were some people who did their jobs. Under the did their jobs category, Everson Griffin. Under the not did their jobs, um, Kirk Cousins and the offensive line. Five more pressures for Everson Griffin, seven for Daniil Hunter, as those two guys continue to just (laughs) annihilate everyone in front of them. And yet this team could not come away with a win. And that's where, you know, halfway through the game, I understood. You're letting Chase Daniel move the ball on you? Okay, they are, and there were some long drives, and there were some penalties that, as they would say, we need to clean up. Okay, you could be sad about those. When you give up 16 points and your top pass rushers are in the backfield all the time, I don't even think Chase Daniel got to 200 yards passing. They did not run the ball particularly well. Once again, the defense played just fine, Yep. and at the end of the day, uh, they end up losing by 10 points. So I've written down four potential outcomes for this season, Judd. And I want you to tell me what happens in each and the percentage chance that it happens. So you have to add up to 100. Courtney struggles with this. I trust that you can do better. Okay, get out. You want a pen? Don't no say Margaret's math has done me well. All right, okay. I'm writing down 100% right now so I can keep, so I can subtract from that. Go Beautiful. Ahead. So here Go. are your uh-huh. options. Yep. Implosion completely. I mean, that means 5 and 11, 6 and 10. Okay. 8 and 8, dead on 500. Kirk Cousins, perfect for him. Okay. They make the wild card and lose. Or okay. NFC title and or beyond the <laughs> NFC title. You're funny. Are you a right. comedian? So I want you to give me percentages first. Then let's go one by one and talk about what if it happens. Okay. Implosion completely. Which would, anything which, less than six and ten. Right. But that means that you start losing to really bad. That means Correct. like the Oakland. That means Denver the, comes to the your Oakland place game and turns you. on you and you lose that game. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give that the five percent chance. I don't think that happens. I think they are. I, I think they've crossed the threshold in sports uh, in Minnesota sports parlance. They are the wild. Oh boy! So they are stuck. So in they're their, not in the wolves. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> they're in the, well, yeah, okay. They're like the, they're not going to yeah. be able to just be like, well, we're not that good, so let's dump, right? And and let's uh, right. tank. Yeah, there's no they, tank. They can't there. do that. Uh, and they are going to win. I think. Quite a few more home games, but I I do have a so five percent. I do have more to say on the potential implosion. But what's your percentage for eight and eight? Okay, I got to get. You're to supposed it. to be thinking about this as I was giving it to you. Yeah, but I wasn't. No, um, tell eight and eight. I'm going to give you. I, I think that's probably the best one at this rate. I'm going to give you um, an eighty percent chance. Eighty percent chance. Okay, of eight and eight. So that's eighty five percent. Yeah. So they make the playoffs, wild card, and that's it for them this season. Okay, what's the rest of my one hundred percent? Fifteen percent. This is going as badly Four, as Courtney with the fourteen percent, uh, and then a one percent for an NFC title game run 1%. or beyond. Well, it's probably not wrong. I mean, when you look at the Super Bowl well, odds, good, when you look at Super yeah, Bowl odds for almost every team at the beginning of the year, it's yep. like 
7%, 5% are teams that have decent odds to win the Super Bowl. So 1% to win the Super Bowl right now with this team and two losses against good NFC North teams yep. probably is not crazy. Now, let me talk about the implosion. Because the implosion means it all goes to hell. And I think everybody goes down. Mm-hmm. And I would guess that if that option is there, you talked about the Wilfs having the whiteboard where they've got all these things written down, the pluses, the minuses, yep. and stuff like that. Yep. If it goes down like that, if it all goes to hell, they lose to Philly, they go to Detroit and lose, and they end up basically as last year's Jaguars. I do think that changes would come at the general manager and coach position if they went less than six and, six and ten or less. Oh, yeah. it's, it's assured. Right. And then, yeah. guaranteed, they would be hiring the offensive genius. I don't know who this offensive genius is, but he's out there, and that's who they'd be hiring. Mm-hmm. He's probably attractive, might know Sean McVay. It could be, say, Rosenfels. I'm serious, though, that that's what they would do. And they would have a general manager come in and say, you know what, we're stripping down this defense, we're going to build up our offense, we're going to sign a receiver, we're going to sign another lineman, we're getting rid of Reef, we're getting potentially rid of Garrett Bradbury. I mean, but you've got a year, in some people. But now, now you've got a year to play with, too, though. So, like, you, you would make these changes, but you wouldn't have to make them all in mass because there'd be no expectation no, I for think, No, I think they would. I think they would. I think that their plan would be to completely revamp everything to take another shot with Kirk Cousins while he's under contract and try to bring in the next offensive genius to get the most out of Kirk. Yes. No, 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 no. Any offensive guy worth his salt would say, I can't do it with him. Mm. Nobody, no, Mm. no. Lincoln Riley ain't going to come here. No, you'd have to be an idiot. You'd have to be an idiot. You're, the hubris would have to be so. High. <laughs> I'm going to keep making noises because I don't agree. I think no, that these guys. No, I th- no, I I'll think they always. I think they always think that they can get the most out of somebody like Kirk. I've seen it. Here's what they'll say. They'll say, you know what? When he was with Sean McVay, and I know Sean McVay. I think that would be the okay. stipulation. I don't think that the coach and new GM would be locked into Cousins forever. But I think they would say, look. We're going to go all in on 2020 with our new coach, with our new guru genius offensive coordinator. We're going to go into free agency, and we're going to get rid of this guy. We're going to get rid of that guy in the defense. We're going to throw all this at the offensive side and see if that works, because going all in on defense didn't. And we know that these teams and owners always do this. If you had an offensive guy before, you go with a defensive guy. If you had a nice guy before, you go with a mean guy. Like, whatever the opposite is, they always do. Les Frazier's the nicest guy so they go with the hardest guy right and i think that that's what they would do but that's only in the implosion the hard one that i can't figure out is the one of eight and eight. Oh, they're fired you think they're fired they're fired on that yes because here's the thing they're not passing the eye test kellen moore is uh, who someone brought us possible kellen moore kellen moore lincoln riley the hot offensive coach but anybody that knows mcveigh that the first the first <laughs> thing the first thing they're going to do is call sean and they're going to call California, and Sean's going to pick up and say, "Hey, what's up, dude? Good to talk to you." And they're going to say, Is "That how he talks." I've been uh, I've been approached by the Vikings, by the Wilfs about the job, and uh, I just want to get your thoughts, Sean, on Kirk Cousins. And McVeigh's going to be like, <laughs> "Yeah, I good, don't, I good don't think luck so." With that, I don't think so. I think McVeigh's impression of Kirk Cousins is different than ours because when he worked with him, McVeigh was ahead of the curve with Cousins, so he did the same thing there as he's done with Jared Goff. And what you see from Jared Goff is there's a guy who's just like Kirk Cousins, who has enough arm talent and understanding of the game to execute certain things, but 
when the pressure is turned up. He usually doesn't unless they get a pass interference call out of, or, or get away with a pass interference that costs the Saints from beating them and going to the Super Bowl. I mean, we've kind of seen this out there with even though they have everything in the world with the Rams, they've got weapons all over the place, a great running back, a good offensive line that Jared Goff still has his shortcomings that show up. But I think that the last impression of McVay was, oh, I can get I can get a lot out of that guy. I can get almost 5000 yards out of that guy. You can, too. Here's all you have to do. I think that these offensive geniuses think that way. I think these offensive geniuses want their own people and know that. And so I, I just don't see it. I think But you're stuck with him for one year though. You know that you're stuck with him for one year. But that gives you that gives you the year to play with. Right, and you, if you right. get him to be good, it, awesome and right, then he's not, gone. But you're not passing on the job because Cousins is the quarterback. No, I'm passing on the job if I'm told there's immediate expectations that I can turn this guy around. Mm. But no, I'll take the year because I can flush that year down the toilet and it doesn't affect me one bit. It's like Zim's two thousand 14, 7 and 9. Right. No, nobody got mad. Right. They're people all like, felt, people feel good about that, this team right. stunk and you won seven games. Good job, Mike Zimmer. Um, eight and eight, I think they're fired. Wild card is hard. Uh, wild card would depend on what the what it looks like. But again, the eye test so far has been very bad. Yeah. The eye test so far has been very bad. And the Wilfs were told that Cousins was the final component. And, and also, keep in mind, too, the Wilfs were told by, by Zimmer and Spielman during the summer. If we bring back Barr, and if we bring, and if we do this, and they had to, ask, they, they're football fans. They had to ask the same questions we asked, which is, really, offensively, is that going to be good enough? And they kept getting told, oh yeah, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. So at some point in time, I'm going to say, I, I think you guys are. I mean, you tried, but I think some of this is incompetent. Don't you? I totally agree on that because if the wild card law, and they're football fans just like us, so if you're told, hey, it'll work, at some point in time, you're going to say, well, I got to hold somebody you're the, accountable. You're the football guys, yeah. right? Um, if the wild card ended with going to Chicago and losing 16-6, I think that there's changes again. Mm-hmm. I, I think that th- they have to reach a pretty high level to succeed for what the expectations were going into this. And when you look at the team, the amount of talent on this team, they are not wrong. If the Wilfs mm-hmm. sat in a meeting room... And they had, you know, whoever there, the president, new president of the team that they have and everybody. And they said, all right, let's have this godfather like meeting where we decide everybody on an expectation for this year for our coach and general manager. And we circle it in red and that's what it's going to be. And we're sticking to it. I, I think they would be totally reasonable saying win a playoff game, totally reasonable saying get to the NFC championship. Look at this team. Two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, possibly the best running back in the NFL. You have two tight ends who can play, especially the younger one who looks really good in, in Irv Smith, who was open yesterday and missed. You have two defensive ends who are mauling everything in sight. Mm-hmm. A Pro Bowl defensive tackle. You have a Pro Bowl cornerback who's not at the same level but still can play a little. And Trey Waynes, who's been good for some time now. You have top three safety in the league in Harrison Smith. And there is no reason to not set the bar that high. You know what this team feels like right now? It feels like they're just on that cusp at this moment of turning into what has happened to Atlanta. Where they were a Super Bowl team. And they had so much talent, and their ownership thought, "Well, okay. I mean, let's just keep running it back." And they had, you know, made they lost their offensive coordinator to become a head coach. Well, okay, we're going to bring in this new guy; he'll be all right. And what they end up with is a seven and nine season. Okay, yeah, well, that's an anomaly. We just had a couple of guys hurt, so let's bring in this new guy and and Mister Blank. We've got it all fixed. 
and here they are at one and three because they're a bad football team now because everyone got old. All right. So what's the so if you're the Wilfs, what's your um, encouragement to be like? That's okay again. You were told two years ago with a team that was one step away from a Super Bowl being played. By the way, in your home stadium, all we need to do is take a swing on this QB, one of if not the most important position probably in all of sports. And you said okay, and we'll pay him. And at the time, you paid him the most of any quarterback in a league that includes guys like Rodgers and Brady and Russell Wilson. And so you did it because you always are willing to spend. And one year and four games after, you have one missed the playoffs, and two at this rate going to make no impact at all. And yeah, so and what? So one, why would won I one big game really the entire time he's been here? Yeah. But, and, I mean, cousins, and, I and where I would come back if I was if I owned this team, where I would come back to Spielman and Zimmer and that entire group and say, "Okay, why?" would would be the stuff that you've talked about constantly, which is the film was there, the past was there. Oh, of course. Like if yeah. this was a young yeah. guy who had been a hot shot and then he falls flat. So let's put it this way: if the Wilfs called me to the stand and they said, "Oh, Viking Law and Order," yeah. Well, do we have it? Can we dial it up? Let's dial it up right this now. Is good. I want you to put me on the stand, and I want All you right. to grill me. We call Matthew Collar about before. On Purple Daily, our coverage is represented by two separate but equally important groups: the reporters who gather information, and the analysts who criticize the team. These are their stories. Do you swear to tell the purple truth <laughs> and nothing I but do. the purple truth? So here's so here's what you're here's what you're cross examining on is my knowledge of Kirk Cousins before the Vikings signed him. Okay. All right, hold on a second. got to pull my notes out. All right, Jack McCoy. All right, McCoy. <clears throat> do, the, do the thing where he has that pause and he goes, ha! Like, kind of like, ah! So what I'm you're thinking, telling me, yeah. Kirk Cousins, what can you tell us about... <laughs> what a good show. <laughs> what can you tell us about Mr. Cousins before he, he arrived in Egan, Minnesota? Well, Jack, what I could tell you is that I think there are plenty of reasons that Washington is moving on other than that they are a terrible franchise. I think that he has struggled against good teams in big games, and a lot of his statistics are a little bit empty. When he threw for 5,000 yards, he also led the NFL in yards when down by two scores. I think he was a bit of a product of his really smart offensive mind, and I noticed from some press conference analysis of teammates and head coach that they tend to take a lot of shots at him, which I think is really unusual. Objection hearsay. Huh? Overruled. Okay. Okay. okay, let me give yeah, all right, let me give you uh, some evidence of that. When Jay Gruden said our seven and nine record is reflective of our quarterback play, <laughs> I thought, huh. And then when Jay Gruden got Alex Smith in for OTAs, he said, Boy, there's a lot of accountability with Alex Smith. In OTAs, there's accountability with Alex Smith. Well, Mm -hmm. that's an odd comment. And then there was the cornerback who said that he felt like Cousins in 2017 was really more focused on his own contract than he was winning games for that team. Those things, um, I can testify, were concerning before he came to Minnesota. It's very compelling. Yeah. Very compelling and rich content. And (laughs) I would say that, was there ever a time... In Washington, where you had evidence that Kirk Cousins showed the leadership capabilities in a game of massive importance, Hmm. where he led that team to anything important. See, not really, because the game where he did the you like that was against the Bucs. 
when he came back and won. Ooh, yeah. oh, the jury likes was, that. The jury's indicting right now. Uh, you know how sometimes the other person will be like, Jack, the jury really doesn't yeah, like it. Doesn't like yeah, that's, that's, the jury, yes, exactly. In this I case, saw how the jury looked. They so, love that fact. So I guess what you're getting at here, the bigger point to this version of Vikings Law and Order, is just that if you were in that ownership room and you're having this conversation about you know, who do we hold accountable for this, the biggest question that you'll ask was, were we just all taken off guard or was this foreseeable? And I would be an expert witness to testify that, yeah, it was foreseeable. Because experts on the stand this, all the time. This happened, very good. This happened a lot. And especially when he mm-hmm. didn't have a good offensive line in 2017, that's when he really started to struggle. And so, yeah, this was kind of what you were signing up for. And, and anytime you're talking about... Well, we can we can put the lipstick on a pig. We can paint over these issues. We'll just have this offensive genius from Philadelphia. He'll come in. He won the Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's a really hard thing to do in the NFL when one team has Patrick Mahomes. Speaking of that that offensive genius quarterback coach from Philadelphia who we had a brief who had a brief stay here. How what's he doing now, Mr. Collar? Well, look, they're two and two, but his running back ran for two hundred yards. So that did happen. Wait, hold on a second. For two hundred yards? Two hundred big ones. Accused yep. of not running the ball against okay, very yeah. interesting. Well the reason he didn't run the ball, as I have mentioned previously on here, and I'm not sure that these people read scorenorth.com or not, but they didn't have a crazy pass run ratio when the game was close last year. It wasn't crazy. It was like 20th. It was not wild. The reason they passed the ball all the time last year, because they were losing by two scores constantly. And guess what? They did yesterday. Tell me if you think this is a good idea. You're down 16. You hand off and gain one yard in the fourth quarter with six minutes left. Anybody think that's a good idea? Any Did, did that work for anyone? They basically went, uh, Delvin, do you have a 75-yard touchdown run in you? Why don't we try? So what's the next stab here? Like, what's the next thing that when, and I'm not talking against bad teams, the next time you're playing a good team on the road, at least defensively, what do you, what's next? They have to run the gamut. They have to hope that Delvin Cook runs for 150 yards. That's the only thing I can come up with. I mean, or that he makes the throw. Like, they're, and this is, this is what Kevin Stefanski is up against. He dialed up a play where Adam Thielen was one-on-one down the middle of the field, or eh, a little bit toward the sideline. But, I mean, you know, he's he's got tons of space. He's wide open. He dialed that up. And in week two, he dialed it up where Stephon Diggs run wide open. And both of those throws aren't made because they're on the road and they're in big situations, and that's what tends to happen. And I don't know what you do about that. That's where we get to, well, Filippo tried the short passes. And we thought, well, that's not a bad idea. And it worked for a little while, and then teams figured it out. And so this team was like, no, no, we're going to go play actions and hit big passes. Okay, I get that. Like It worked with Deshaun Jackson. These two guys go deep. They're great. But when you overthrow it, when you hold on to the ball, and a great stat from Chad Graff that five of the six sacks were him holding the ball more than two and a half seconds. I think probably the only one that wasn't was the Khalil Mack strip sack. I mean... What are you supposed to tell Kevin Stefanski in these meetings? I don't know, man. Sometimes the guy throws it backwards for no reason. Just tell him Gary's going to try to call plays next, I guess. Because yeah, Stefanski's happen. probably like, yeah, yeah, I'm done here. Yeah, this, but this one, I mean, when you dial up open receivers, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, the Thielen play—that's the thing. Is the problem that this team has right now is in, in the things that they can do, they have no margin to screw those things up. Yes, right? That's correct. Like the defense, I, it sounds really, really weird, but I don't think this defense on the road can afford to give up more than seven points. That's right. 
And you know that's and how a, do you tell them that? But that's the thing is is hey guys, there's there would be an argument to be made that a couple of missed deep balls, and you could always say the well, you know, if they bring in those games are different, right? And that's true, but that's also all sports. Like yeah, if the guy just hits a home run instead of a foul ball, the game's different. Well, he didn't. Um, but you would have to believe in the future. The only reason you'd say that is you'd have to believe in these future games that those passes will be hit. And I don't. And I also think even if they hit that, they're still going through the same thing that they went through yesterday where they're just getting sacked and there's the turnovers. And when a guy leads the league in fumbles over a three-year period, it's really hard to believe that he's just going to stop doing that. that that's, that's where I get to a lot of arguments for Kirk Cousins did make sense when people were making them last year. Well, you know, it's a couple plays here, there. Well, it's the offensive coordinator. Well, it's Tom Compton. Well, it's this and this and this and this. But now the sample size is just getting too big to the point where I'm getting the Sean Mannion tweets. And the, if I'm not mistaken, it was the second fumble yesterday where he almost looked like he released the ball onto the ground because he was getting hit. Yeah, that was kind of the Mac odd. one. In was slow motion, the, it looked a little the, bit. The Mac yeah. one was tough because he got hit. Yeah, but the second one, he's sort of going down and he just sort of takes his hands off. The, it, it's a very mm. that's the type of thing you look at that and you're like, what you dude, you got to get that ball to the ground. Below your body. And I here's what I wonder. Well, let's talk about this when we come back because we're up against the break. But if we've talked about the locker room getting frustrated with him and showing their signs last night, my question is how he reacts to that. Because in 2017, he was getting pushback clearly from some of the comments about him not signing a long-term contract extension. So let's discuss that more of how Cousins is going to respond if there's frustration in the locker room pointed his way. When we return, you are listening to a not Victory Monday here on Purple Daily. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. First, the countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon weekend is on. It's not too late to sign up for the TC 10K, TC 5K presented by Fredrickson and Byron or the Medtronic TC family events featuring races for kids of all ages. To learn more, sign up, visit tcmevents.org or visit scorenorth.com keyword marathon. We we asked the question last hour. We put it out on Twitter. What are the most realistic outcomes for this Viking season after another disappointing loss yesterday that saw Kirk Cousins just be, well, Kirk Cousins at this point, which is not good. Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Just win. You know, if we win, you know, move the ball, play well, whether that's with those two getting the ball or uh, or with, you know, running the football, whatever it has to be, whatever we got to do to move the football, let's do that. And, uh, you know, I think that's all that matters. Well, talk about not reading the room very well because they did just win in week three, and yet the pass catchers were displeased. Uh, so that was my question to Cousins about how he can avoid the frustration from Thielen and Diggs. And that was his answer was, oh, we just have to win. It doesn't matter how. Uh, well, it actually kind of does, uh, usually. Uh, if you have superstar players who they paid a lot of money to catch footballs who are not getting targeted, and an amazing stat from NFL Next Gen, this comes via our friend Sam Ekstrom, that in terms of the aggressiveness of Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins' quarterback play, he was the least aggressive quarterback in the NFL in terms of throwing into coverage, like tight coverage, yesterday. Least aggressive in the NFL in a game where you were down timid, by three Kirk, scores. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. timid. That's, that's not a shock, right? That's right. Um, that's what we expect. I have a uh, I have a concern, and I'd like to tell you that I am 
I'm giving you the truth here, Judd, about this concern. I ain't lying. You know what it's about? No. It's the Detroit. You know? Because I'm not. All right. So uh, I had a chance because I showed up to the press box yesterday insanely early. This is how the flight worked to just sit there. I heard you with the boys. Yeah, I did a little little work and then I just sat there and I watched the red zone, which is funny because I never get to do that. And I was like, do you guys know about this red zone thing? It's awesome. It's the greatest invention it's, in sports. Right, because we don't play at 325 very often. So I, anyway, and uh, a lot of the red zone was focused on Lions and the Kansas City uh-huh. Chiefs. And, uh, okay, so Detroit does not come out at the end. I don't know about that fumble that was a 99-yard touchdown return by Kansas City. Maybe it should have been down. Maybe it should have just been ruled that Kansas City had the ball at the one. Whatever it might be, it was a very sloppy and ugly game. But it was the Detroit Lions and their fearless leader, Matt Patricia, and Matt Stafford playing pretty well, and their defense not getting completely run out of the building at home. And now it feels like, and the Vikings are in last place presently, now it feels like there are three teams instead of two that are going to be very, very tough on the Minnesota Vikings. So this division, my synopsis, is this division is not does not have one great team where you look at that team and say that's the Super Bowl team possibly for the NFC, but it might be the strongest division in football if that makes sense, top to bottom. Top to bottom, it's a really solid division yeah, because every team could very reasonably go ten and six or Absolutely. eleven and five, and you no know one's what? going thirteen and three. You know what? Four weeks in, Mia Culpa, Matt Patricia, you've done they've done really pretty damn well. I really thought this was going to be a disaster, and they played pretty well. I think it's largely because, and not to take away from Patricia, but it's largely because Matt Stafford has kind of looked a lot more like Matt Stafford that we expect him to play that way. He's got nine touchdowns, only two picks, 102 quarterback rating, over a 1,000 yards passing so far, that their passing game has been actually quite good, and Marvin Jones... Kenny Galladay, TJ Hawkinson, and Danny Amendola have all been good. Like last year, once they got rid of Golden Tate because of, I don't know, personality conflicts with Matt Patricia, once they got rid of Golden Tate, they had no one. They had Kenny Galladay and no one. And now they have four legit weapons and a talented running back in Carrion Johnson. And he hasn't even really gotten going so much yet. And when you have that around Stafford, he's proven in the past that he could be a pretty darn good quarterback. They were seventh in the league in scoring. In 2016 or 2017, not, like not that long ago, they were one of the top 10 scoring teams. And if they're doing that again, and they can play a little bit of defense against the Vikings and get Darius Slay back healthy, looks like a good football team. Their offensive line is The Giants game good. It, next Sunday at MetLife Stadium is now how huge, too. Because look at the schedule after that. Oh, it's Philadelphia it's, here. It's that's hard. That's not easy. Nope. Eventually, you work in Detroit, you work in Kansas City. If you don't beat the Giants on Sunday, it's going to feel like it's falling apart at two and three. Oh, I definitely agree. Do we, are we on the same page that there's one of those bad ones coming though at some point? Yeah, I fear the Washington game. I think it's a national TV game, Kirk's old team, Kirk trying to prove he's good. That game worries me. I'm going to pick Denver. Okay. Before the bye week, Vic Fangio. Yep. And now Bradley Chubb's done for the year. Are you predicting but, a no-show? But, but their losses, Denver's losses, have been close. Mm. Are you predicting a Vikings no-show or just a really good game from Denver? No, it, I, it could be kind of a, 
both. But it, it just has the feeling that we're writing down these wins, and one of them won't be. And maybe yeah. that's New York. All right. Purple Daily. You guys got baseball, a little football, lots to talk about. Sure, we got a lot of football to uh, talk about. When we uh, come back, Mackie and Judd with Rami is up next. Thanks for listening to Purple Daily. We'll be back tomorrow with Alex Boone and Courtney Cronin. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.